Hello, my name's Dan Rigby and welcome to the Onside Education podcast, the podcast that discusses all the latest news and views in the world of education here in the UK and we may also discuss a little bit of sport too. Today we have uh, an ambassador for Onside Education and uh, someone who's been through the ropes with us doing a personal training qualifications, uh, Everton Ladies FC forward, uh, Simone McGill. Hi Simone. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, not at all, not at all. How's uh, how's the season going? Yeah, so far so good. Um, we've just recently started our season there, so um, yeah. got another game coming up on Sunday, so the games are coming in thick and fast now, but it's good to be back playing. Um, I was out most of last season with a stress fracture, so uh, it was a frustrating year for me not getting to play and stuff, but now I'm back and I'm playing, so all things are going well. Brilliant. How, how's uh, how's the season goals for you setting up? What are your personal and team goals this year? Um, yeah, so obviously uh, last season uh, was our first season back up in top flight and being full-time, um, yep. so it was a bit of a it was a bit of a transformation year for us, you know, getting used to, to being full-time and things, whereas this season, you know, we've had that first year under our belt, so now we want to we want to go and make put our stamp on things, you know. We want to yeah. try and finish in top half of, the, half of the table and, you know, just show everyone what we're about this year and, and just go for it. How's the transition been from student to full-time athlete? Um, yeah, I mean, the timing worked out quite well for me, to be honest. Um I just finished my master's and literally the same year I finished that, we went full time. So <laughs> in terms of, of timing, it was quite, you know, it was quite good for me. Um, but no, it, it's fantastic. I mean, it's what we've always wanted to do. Um, so the fact, you know, that we get to call it our actual day job now, it's fantastic. And all our focus and energy can go into that. Yeah. How many of the teams that are in the um, Super League full time, all of them? Yeah, every team that's in top flight now, um, yeah, they're all full-time. Uh, what do you envisage the league below? Is that going to turn anytime soon, or do you think it's going to be slightly a longer process for the for the teams below you? Yeah, I think, um, obviously, at the minute, um, they're just semi-professional. Um, yep. So most of the girls, you know, they work full-time. And, you know, basically what we were before we went, we went full-time. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean... Hopefully, you know, the, the plan is to try and get as many of the, the top leagues full-time and really grow the game that way. But I think with, with our league just going full-time uh, in the last year or so, um, I think it'll be a little while before, you know, the, the second league does that. But mm. I definitely think it's something that they're going to try and do eventually. Correct me for my ignorance here, but uh, the women's game has a high priority at the international level. That's probably seen as the pinnacle. Um we're, we're in, in the men's game, it probably isn't to a certain extent. Uh, with it going full-time now and the Women's Super League taking off like it is, do you think that's a possibility where the club game is going to overtake the international game over here? Um, I'm not too sure um, because, you know, playing for, playing for your country is the, you know, it's the highest level that you can reach. And mm-hmm. you know, qualifying for major tournaments like World Cups and 
European um, competitions. You know that that's the pinnacle. So I think that it'd be a long way off off that, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, a lot of the famous women's players now that they're, they're branching out as well. So Tony Duggan, for example, she's gone over to Spain. Could that possibly be an yeah. ambition for you moving forward? Different countries, different yeah. culture. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's an option that I'd never, you know, I'd never rule out. Um, you know, if it came my way, um, I think that you know, it's it's great to see people, you know, branching out, experiencing new cultures, playing in different leagues, and I feel like you know that can only grow the game. Yeah. In general, you know, um, you know, we have a lot of people that come over to England from foreign countries to play, and that only helps improve our game over here. So, I definitely think you know it's always an option and one I'd never rule out. Yeah, because I think you've got new opportunities that girls probably previous to you didn't never have. You know, I think previous to your generation, it was probably America was the only option, wasn't it? Where now you're talking the European games taking off, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So like whenever you know I was growing up. The, the main kind of option and the main route for most girls who played was to get a scholarship in America and play. Whereas, you know, for girls coming through now, that's not the only option, you know. Um, there's They can go to England, they can go to Europe, you know, because the game over here is just taking off that much now. And the fact it's professional, you know, that, that draws attention. You know, a lot of girls want to do that. So, you know, they, they put off America and they come over here now. Yeah, it's, it's it's a massive change, isn't it? Massive change. Uh, obviously, you when we first met, you was part time. Um, you undertook personal training qualification with us and fitness instructor qualifications. Um, how and now you've obviously done your masters since. What was your masters in, Simone? Um, it was in coaching. Coaching. How do you think that's benefited you? Because I actually did my degree in masters as well. How do you think that's mm-hmm. um, benefited you as an athlete as well? Um, yeah, no. So obviously, I did my under, undergraduate in coaching, and then kind of went on and did my masters in it as well. And um, obviously, uh, I do a lot of coaching um, yeah. on the side, and obviously, I, I did my personal training and things like that. So coaching is another big aspect of my life, and I, I just think you know it's just helped me a lot moving forward you know, from being on the opposite side of the fence, you know, because obviously having lived my, my life as an athlete, you know, it, it was just nice to, to be the coach in some instances. And, um, you know, I take that into to my kind of athlete day to day. And it just, you know, it, it makes me respect, you know, my coaches a lot more and, you know, want to listen to them because obviously I've been on that side of the fence as well. So, um, yeah, no, uh, obviously then with my personal training, when we were part-time, um, I used them qualifications and I was a personal trainer as well as playing part-time for Everton and doing my masters. So I had quite a busy a busy time of it when we were part-time. And um, yeah, I, I got a job in a gym as well. So I was able to, you know, use the fitness instructing qualifications and, you know, do you know, personal training on top. So just yeah. made me become a bit more appreciative of, you know, that kind of side of things. Yeah, it must be a nice little come down for you know, just purely football. Really, you don't have to do the other stuff. It must be nice to actually switch off and concentrate on a on a game at a weekend rather than what Sheila wants to do tomorrow at the gym, for example. Yeah, definitely. I think that was the biggest one for me. Um, this is the first time in my life where I've actually just been able to focus on football. Yeah. Um, and not had to, you know, not had to worry so much about you know, going to the gym, doing my shift there. And, you know, as much as I did enjoy that side of things, um, it's just nice to actually fully focus on, on football. Yeah, yeah, I, I bet, I bet. Well, I remember when I first started doing my degree, my undergrad degree in coaching, um, 
I was I thought I was a a very good coachable footballer. I thought I I was really easy to coach. But it was only when I actually started coaching myself I realised how difficult it were. And I felt I became better at football purely like understanding the coaching rationale, if that makes sense. My point on that is, what do you think education and and your coaching background does for you in terms of improving as a as a footballer? If any at all, you might be the complete opposite to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I've, I've been a bit the same. Like, I've always felt that from a young age, you know, I've been that kind of player who's always wanted to learn. You know, I've been keen, I've been enthusiastic, and I'll do whatever the coach tells me to do. Um, mm-hmm. So I think, I mean, I hope that's what I've been like as a kid, but that's that's what I think I was like, you know, growing up, and um, I was always a very hard worker. I, I put, you know, 110% into everything that I did, and um obviously now whenever I'm coaching kids I can see like how difficult it can be to to group or to coach a group of of young kids you know because the you know hard work and it can it can you know they can be hyper all the time and you know they don't want to listen and things like that so I think it just makes me you know be a lot more appreciative of you know the coaches that I did have when I was growing up and how they were able to get the best out of me as a player and you know make me driven and motivated to keep coming back and keep working hard and you know so I'm trying to use you know the coaches I had the education that I've had to kind of be an influence like that till a young kid now I want to be able to try and do that to them because I had great coaches in my career who got the best out of me so that that's what I'm hoping to try and do anyway yeah and it's a it's a very good ethical standpoint to come from I wish uh I wish a lot of especially people in your position and ex-professional footballers from both men's and women's game had a similar approach I think the men's game did have it but now because it's so cash rich they don't need to do it after they leave so I think it's a little bit different for them now you don't see many um, ex-pro male footballers going into grassroots football for example do you? No, no, Mm -hmm. exactly Um, because you know money talks a lot these days doesn't it? It does I just think, you know, it's important to recognise like where you come from. Um, that's always been big a big thing for me. You know, I'll never forget, you know, where I came from and, you know, supporting like local clubs who are trying to produce players. Um, and if I've always said, you know, if there's anything that I can ever do to try and help out some of the, the smaller clubs, um, because you know, that's where we've all come from. We all had to start somewhere. Um yeah. and it's it's just something you, you can never forget that. Yeah, it's so true. It is so true. Um, grassroots is where it's all at, and obviously we, we were, we were now we a couple of grassroots clubs, um, and we've actually just started our first girls academy this year. So yeah, yeah we're doing a sixteen to eighteen year old girls academy in Coventry, where the the outcome for them is hopefully to to then move on to America, in what you were saying, but also now to the clubs that are in the area. There's so many professional clubs full-time professional clubs that these girls have actually got an outlet an outlet that they never had only three years ago uh so i think that the development is uh is happening it's happening rapid and i think it's coming from the right way as well so the clubs are actually investing because what is the what are the viewing figures like for the women's game uh you have a highlights package on the bbc now is that right um do you know what that's is it really taken off or is it still stagnating how's that working do you know in terms of stats, I'm not 100%, but I do know that. So every week, um, there'll be like a high, like a match of the day. It's actually on after the men's match of the day. So, um, yeah. I, and I know, you know, I know a lot of people 
tuning into that. And I mean, the, the stats and things are growing. You know, the attendances that people are getting to games these days. And you know, there's a game every week that's on TV. They're using social social media to stream games live. Mm. Uh, the BBC mm. are taking some games each week as well, you know, and it's just fantastic that there's always games on every week for people to watch, you know, so it's just steps in the right direction. Yeah, it is. It's great because you have to have that um, output, don't you? You have to get it in the eyes because it's it's not just women's football that does that. It's other sports as well. I remember when I was a kid, I weren't interested in cricket until I saw um, the Ashes on, um, on Channel 4 and I saw it and I was just completely hooked and I played cricket for years after that. So it's literally, it's just getting it out into the eyes of girls, isn't it? To see the sport, to see that it's not just men that dive around on the floor getting paid a hundred grand a week. There is a women's structure there, which is of a high level, which is producing top quality athletes, of which is now a full-time profession as well. Exactly, and, and that's it. And I mean, that's something that the likes of, you know, my kind of generation, we didn't really have that growing up, but, you know, yeah. our idols for all male footballers yeah. whereas now for, for a young girl they can switch the TV on weekend and actually watch a women's game and yeah. they can have male idols and, and players that they look up to and that that's just something that we never had so the fact that that's not a thing that's fantastic yeah it's big that because you have to have a strong type of personality to be to see something that you're not associated with really to a certain extent by even if it's a social makeup if you're having male athletes as, as your role models and no real female structure, you've got to be very, very strong-minded to continue going for that when there's no real outcome. Because when you was growing up, there was no real professional game was there in the UK. So you have to be really determined to keep going for something and not really seeing the vision. <laughs> there was no vision for you, was there, really? If I'm, I, might, I might be adding things into your mouth there, Simone. But... Oh, no, it's 100% true. Like, whenever I was growing up, you know, whenever anybody asked me in school, I was like, what do you want to be? I used to say I wanted to be a professional footballer and they used to laugh at me. And mm. to a certain degree, I could see why because there was no such thing back then. There was no such thing as being a professional women's footballer. And I guess that most of us who are playing now, I guess we were always just holding out for one day. It would be become a reality. And obviously, we always knew it was heading in that direction. But... It was never set in stone, so we were always chasing a dream that wasn't even, you know, it didn't even exist. But obviously, now when we look back, we're all thankful that, you know, we kept working hard, we kept grafting, because now, you know, that dream is a reality for a lot of us. It's true, and it weren't just one or two of you, though, was it? There was a, there's been a high number of quality athletes coming out now. It's not just the women's England team, for example, yourself in the Northern Ireland team. You're very quite successful, aren't you, for such a small nation? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're heading in the right direction. Um, obviously, yeah, we're, we're such a small nation and we have a, a lot less players to, to choose from. And I mean, there's only two of us that play for, or three of us, sorry, now, um, that play for Northern Ireland who are actually full-time professional players. So, you know, um, when we're competing against the bigger nations who, you know, have a squad of 20 who are all professional and we've got three, um, you know, we always have a fight on our hands, but like I said, we're heading in the right direction. We've got a great young pool of players coming through who all, you know, they're all driven and they all want to head to that kind of professional um, route. So if we can start producing, you know, more young players coming through who want to be professionals, it's only going to improve our game back home as well. Yeah, because you're not going to just be a role model from the outside looking in. 
presume you're going to be a role model now for the other, you know, 20 girls in that Northern Ireland squad that want to make it to your level as well. How how do you um, cope with, not so much pressure, but that environment when you go back to the Northern Ireland squad and these girls are obviously going to be looking up to you and trying to reach your level now? I think it, it's obviously a really nice feeling to have, um, you know, when you have young girls coming up and asking me, you know, how I got to where I am and, you know, asking for advice. And obviously, again, that's something I never really had to some degree because I never had a professional player to look up to. So, um, you know, obviously, it's something that I thrive off. And obviously, I, I want to try and help them as best I can. Um, and obviously, I want to try and help improve the game back home as much as I can because obviously that's where I've come from as well and obviously I'm so passionate about where I come from so if I can help any young girl take that next step I'm going to do everything that I can to do that yeah it's great it's a great it's a great uh, attitude you've got to that Simone I really think that you can personally because again it's such a small nation you can drive it forward and, and hopefully get a lot more girls into the game in Northern Ireland uh, I know that there was just stats come out just not long ago um, that was basically looking at the, the amount of golfers that are now coming out of Northern Ireland. And I think, like, as a percentage, it's ridiculous. Like, more people play golf now than play football. And that's across both genders, purely because of the period of success that Northern Ireland had with Darren Clark, Rory McIlroy, Graham McDowell. Yeah. All of a sudden, everyone wanted to play golf in Northern Ireland. And I think if I I think in about ten years time the same will happen with football with how well the the men's team and the women's team did recently uh, in qualification I think that's gonna you're gonna see again a spike in in the levels purely because of what national pride and success does for for a, a small country. Yeah, exactly, and that's it. And it's all about you know it's all about these young kids actually seeing someone doing it. And being like, do you know what? If they can do it, well, so can I. And I think, you know, it's something that we've never really had as a country before. We've never really seen people actually going and doing it. But I mm. think that now that that's reality, kids are going, do you know what? If they can do it, well, so can I. And I think that it's it's a great attitude for, for the kids to have. And obviously, all the structures are now getting put in place to help them actually get there. Again, it's something that I never had. And you know, the the things that they're getting now back home that are just, you know, all these structures and pathways that are now in place, it's absolutely fantastic. And, you know, hopefully in a few years, um, we'll actually, we'll see a good number of girls coming through into professional clubs. Yeah, let's hope so, let's hope so. Uh, I'd like to finish off, Simone, just asking you uh, a couple of questions that are based around uh, advice that we could pass on, uh, which I think you're more than comfortable doing now, as you've just been saying. So the first question would be, if you could speak to a young person now, boy or girl, linked that wants to become a footballer, what would the one thing stand out as the most important bit of advice you could give them? Um, I think that if I were to give advice, it would be to listen. Listen to what your coaches are telling you. Um, get your head down and work hard. Um, I worked hard every single day. When I was a kid, I made sure that I was touching a football every single day. Um, and I think that because, you know, there were a lot of other kids who, who maybe weren't doing that. I think that because I was working as hard as I did, I think that that should give me an edge. Um, so I would say, listen to your coaches. Um, get your head down and just work extremely hard. Yeah, I think that's a great bit of advice. I don't think there's no substitute to, to being coachable and working hard. Um, I, you look at some anyone in any 
that's made anything from pinnacle of sport or even in business or even education that the backbone of everyone that's done anything is hard work isn't it it's almost obsession to a certain degree uh, uh, not seeing anything else get in your way of your goal and it's hard to teach a young child that at this moment in time with social media being so prominent they want to get some false reward instead don't they of a like rather than the real reward of the actual end goal exactly and i mean one quote that always stood out to me was um hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard and i think that's something that's just stuck with me throughout my whole career um it was like one thing i can always give like sometimes you can have an off day you know you're touching a base and ride or whatever but one thing you can always give every single day is 110 percent effort and I think that that's just something that I've just carried with me throughout everything I've done. I was like, I will just work so hard at anything that I do. And I'll, at least I can always say that I tried my best. Um, so, yeah, just that, that's just something I've carried with me. What a quote that was. Say that one again for me, Simone. That was brilliant, that quote. <laughs> uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. I'm nicking that one forever. It's going to be my catchphrase. Yeah, it's a good one. All right, Simone, thanks a lot for your time. That was great. That um, I'm sure we'll be in touch in the future and I wish you all the success for this season. Thanks a lot. Okay, uh, thanks for listening to our podcast with Simone there. I'd like to thank Simone again for her time. Um, at this point, I'm actually going to do something we haven't done before. Uh, well, it's only podcast three, so it's not like we've been doing anything really at the end of these podcasts. But if you have listened this far, I want to thank you for doing so. Uh, on that note, I want you to go onto our website, www.onsideedu.co.uk. Pick any course you want, and I mean that, any course you want. And if you email me directly at dan at onsideedu.co.uk, the first person to do so will get a free course of their choice. That's any course on our website. So that's www.onsideedu.co.uk. And then my email address is dan at onsideedu.co.uk. Put the title in the email as free course, and you can have any course for free on our website. Thanks a lot. Speak to you next time. Ta-ra.